Blog Talk Radio. And welcome everybody to the Jets Podcast Preview Show on 247sports.com. The New York Jets Week 13 is upon us as they will travel down to Music City to take on the Tennessee Titans of the AFC South, along with Rick Lachlan. I'm Daniel Feuerstein. Um, Rick, obviously we already know that the Jets are probably already mathematically eliminated from any form of a playoff contention right now. You really have to take a look at jobs on the line, situations on the line, uh, back at this, because the New York Jets right now, they are heading down to take on the Tennessee Titans, who have also had an up-and-down season themselves. No question. And this is a Jet team that, look, Todd Bowles met with the media today. He said that Sam Darnold is still going to be a game-time decision, of course, with that foot sprain. He was limited in practice on Thursday. Todd Bowles is always very cryptic as far as who's the starting quarterback and trying to reveal too much information to his opponent. But the fact that he won't commit to starting Sam Darnold, trying to read between the tea leaves here, that tells me that Darnold's probably not going to be ready He might be active, but uh, you're looking at him missing his potentially his third straight start and Josh McCown in there um, trying to redeem himself after the past couple games with the Jets offense really couldn't get things off the ground. And this is a well-coached team in the Tennessee Titans. Mike Vrabel has done a fantastic job given the injuries they've had on this team, the fact that they ran into a white-hot Texans team last uh, Sunday night, I guess it was, when, uh, you know, they just essentially competed with them for three quarters and Deshaun Watson and crew blew them out in the final stanza. So this is a Titan team that still has playoffs at stake. They're still very hungry. They're playing well under a first-year head coach of Mike Vrabel. And Marcus Mariota, who, of course, when he came out of Oregon and was entering that draft class, was on the Jets' radar. A lot of people felt like the Jets should have traded up and should have tried to get Mariota but he's proving that he's coming into his own. And this is a game that the Jets, once again, are not going to be favored. It's going to be an uphill battle, and they'll be at least moderate underdogs. So if you're a Jet fan, you at least hope that they can put an end to this miserable five-game winning streak and at least have something to cheer about as we head into the Christmas holiday season. Absolutely, Rick. But let me just say this, though. I think what we're seeing now with the AFC South – Everyone anointed the Jacksonville Jaguars to take over this division. Everyone anointed the Jacksonville Jaguars after everything that has happened between, of course, Tom Coughlin being the general manager of this NFL team, and of course, Mike, Mar- you know, Doug Marone, uh, the head coach. Look at where they are right now. They started off pretty good, and now they're down to being thir- three and eight, dead last. The Tennessee Titans. Right now, in third place, being five and six, this is an opportunity for the Titans to try and beat the Jets to go six and six. But look what's happened all of a sudden. The Houston Texans have basically turned things around. They're eight and three, leading the division. Indianapolis, Andrew Luck slowly and surely has gotten back to his former self. Their Colts are six and five. Um, obviously, you're going to have to take a look at the playoff picture and the and the uh, standings of you know, where the Colts are division, divisional-wise against their opponents with all these tiebreakers. But once again, I think we can safely say that the AFC South has become, once again, 
the most unpredictable division in the NFL. Yeah, and look, I mean, this is a Tennessee Titan team. I don't think very many people gave them enough credit. This was supposed to be, of course, the Texans, who were off to a slow start this season, I believe starting the year at 0-3, and now winners of eight straight. Uh, I mean, they are quickly ascending to a team that could be in the hunt for a first-round bye. They're clearly the class of that AFC South. And the Indianapolis Colts, who, of course, going back a few weeks, that game against the New York Jets, losing that contest, you thought this was going to be yet another playoffless year for the Indianapolis Colts, but they have improved their play as of late. looks like Andrew Luck is finally getting healthy after that injury that he had in the offseason. They've won five in a row. The Houston Texans have won eight in a row. So you have arguably, uh, not even arguably, you have two of the longest winning streaks in the NFL within the AFC South. So that division that you thought the Jacksonville Jaguars would dominate, they have been one of the major disappointments of the year at three and eight, losers of seven straight. They fell to the bottom of the division. The Texans, who were expected to be in the mix, certainly were written off after that 0-3 start, have now won eight in a row. And the Indianapolis Colts, you know, who, again, they were uh, one uh, one of the teams that was expected to be potentially a top 10 team as far as draft status was concerned because Andrew Luck didn't have much help. They figured out that combination up front to protect him, to keep him clean in the pocket. And the Titans, you know, they've hung tough. They've played well under Mike Vrabel. They have a 3-1 and one home record. They're only 2-5 and five away from home. So that shows me that as a young team, that's one of the telltale signs that they need to make that next step and is trying to develop a level of consistency, playing as well on the road as they do at home. And they themselves are staring a potential three-game winning streak directly in the face. So th- this is going to be uh, a tough ask for the Jets to try to win this football game. You know, the, the Titans have a lot of weapons that people really don't pay too much attention to. Derrick Henry, the running back. Deion Lewis, of course, who we know from his time with the Patriots, is a dynamic we- weapon and can single-handedly take apart the Jets. And on the defensive side of the ball, you have a couple of names that jump out. He's Kenny Vaccaro, one of the top safeties in the league. Brian Arakpo, of course, he's uh, at the latter stage of his career, but still a quality outside linebacker. And Malcolm Butler, former Super Bowl hero, another former Patriot, uh, alongside Logan Ryan in that secondary. I mean, it's clear Mike Rabel having those Patriot connections, why he's bringing on a lot of Patriots defensive players that came out of Bill Belichick's system. So uh, this is going to be tough sledding for the Jets, especially in offense that has struggled so mightily. And I think I don't care who's under center whether it's Sam Darnold, whether it's Josh McCown, you, you want to see some kind of balance offensively. The team make a concerted effort to run the ball more than 10 to 15 times in this game and at least give their quarterback a chance where he's not a sitting duck on third and long situation like have been the case during the past five-game losing streak. Well, let's talk about you know that offensive line once again. It's been difficult. But the offensive line, ha- it's been tough to watch them whether it's Sam Darnold or um, you know or Josh McCown remaining upright within the pocket, and you know we've cited Spencer Long as you know look I thought it was a good signing by the Jets to bring him in as a center, but once he broke his finger, and I believe it was his index finger on his snapping hand, he he just continued to be a, a liability out there. So 
you know, in some ways, to see him now uh, going to left guard because of the uh, end of the season injury for James Carpenter, it's a, it's a shoulder injury. You know, for Spencer Long, he's not going to be on the sidelines. He won't be snapping the ball, but he won't be on the sidelines. And you know what? That's a good thing to see his versatility out there because at least, you know, he can still try and stop the front seven if it's possible he can stop them. But at least he can try and, you know, find a way to uh, go out there and be a productive player on the offense. But once again, you know, these are the question marks that the Jets are going to go into for 2019 after uh, the season is done. And, uh, you know, once the playoffs are finished, the Jets can uh, go towards free agent frenzy and bring in whoever they want. But still, though, uh, to see Spencer Long, Rick, being that left guard uh, and getting a basically a second chance at trying to help the Jets win, I think that's a positive right there. It's a positive, but it's also an unknown. You know, it's a very delicate balance, the the offensive chemistry between linemen. You're, you know, you're asking a center to essentially be playing a, a guard position, not a position that he thinks is uh, at all natural. And, again, you like to see a player that's willing to be versatile, willing to try different positions, you know, trying to pull that all together in a week's practice and translate it to a game at an NFL level is is just a tall ask, especially for a Titans team. They're probably well aware of that situation with James Carpenter being shut down for the year. They are most certainly going to target and try to put as much pressure on the Jets as possible, which to me puts that added emphasis on the running game. The Jets need to be balanced offensively because Josh McCown – Sam Darnold, whoever's back there, ends up dropping back in the pocket. Uh, they are going to be in for a long day. They're going to be hit repeatedly. There's going to be loose balls in the pocket that are going to be knocked out of their hand. They're going to be making errant throws that will be interceptions. It, it could turn into an absolute ugly turnover fest. And I, I'm not going to say I agree with Todd Bowles and his conservative style, but I think if there's any game where the Jets have to be conservative, they have to play a little ball control, and they have to not be afraid to – try to perhaps run the ball in some third and long situations, trying to catch the defense off guard and keeping the pass rush honest. I think the Jets have to do that to send a message because this is the type of game that with the Jets playing the way they are offensively with Marcus Mariota's ability to make plays outside and within the pocket, uh, this could be a game that could get away from them very quickly, could be littered with turnovers, and it's the last thing you want to do, especially if you have Sam Darnold back into the fold, finally healthy, and you put him out there, and he's basically just getting facing waves of defenders crashing down on him. He's going to stand absolutely no chance. So I don't care who's in there. The Jets, my game plan or my plan would be, I don't know whether they'll do this, is to run the ball at least as much as they pass the ball. And, you know, whatever the results that follow from that, you have to accept it because if the Jets go out and did what they did last week where they – rush the ball 15 times, and throw the ball nearly 50 times, this is going to be a lopsided loss. The Jets are going to head for six in a row. And even worse, you're going to risk serious injury to one of your quarterbacks. And if it's Sam Darnold, it's the last thing you want is for a young quarterback to to suffer yet another injury in his young career that could potentially – you know, sideline him for a long period of time or at the very least hurt his confidence as he's trying to build up his professional career. You know, this is the thing that I think everyone needs to look at here for the New York Jets and what they're going to do to rebuild um, or continue this rebuilding project. And I keep hearing the same thing every 
every NFL fan keeps saying. The Jets have been rebuilding since the Super Bowl three victory. No. No. You, everyone needs to know what the differences are. But then again, they don't want to know because it's always going to be about, well, you haven't won since Super Bowl three. You've been rebuilding and blah, blah, blah. This rebuilding at the moment I, I think has stalled just a bit. Not too much, but just a bit because of the coaching that continues to be a sore spot of trying to get these players to get everything done both on offense and defense. Special teams has done very well, as we've already mentioned. But once again, Rick, um, you know, part of this rebuild has been Robbie Anderson and what the season he's had last year, a breakout season last year he's had, was just unbelievable. This year, I think it's like kind of like a sophomore slump, uh, being a full-time wide receiver out there. Um, for at the right at this moment in time, um, you know, there's a report out there saying that Robbie Anderson, he's not looking for a tenure or a tendered contract. He wants um, a full-blown, you know, he wants to remain with the Jets. And I understand he wants to remain with the Jets, and that's fine. Um, I think that's great. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Uh, at the. I'm assuming, I don't know if this is the end of his current deal that he has. But the truth is, is that, you know, I think Robbie Anderson should definitely get at least a significant contract to remain with the Jets because I think he is a part of this attack that really needs him. And I think the Jets really, really need to keep him. Now, whether it's a long-term deal or maybe it's three or four years, um, but you do see what Robbie Anderson can do. And at the same time, He's behaved himself since that uh, situation back in his hometown in South Florida. I-, I think he has, in some ways, he has you know deserved at least to be heard to maybe having a long term deal. But but we don't know about you know will he get such a deal from Mike McCagnan, you know once this regular season is done. And, yeah, as far as the off-the-field behavior, I mean, he's had no issues whatsoever. It's been, frankly, his production on the field and the offense as a whole. You know, it's hard to evaluate Robbie Anderson based on the fact that you have a rookie quarterback, a suspect offensive line, an offense that's been ravaged by injury, including Anderson himself, who struggled to stay on the field. So you understand the player's position. He wants some long-term security. His preference is to remain with the Jets. He doesn't want that that uh, restricted free agent tender. But frankly, if I'm Mike McCagney I'm sitting in that uh, GM chair, based on what I've seen from Robbie Anderson off the field, based on the fact that he's you know proven in one year to be dynamic, but not been necessarily able to recreate that this season, I'm absolutely tendering him and giving him one more opportunity to prove it before you sign him to a long-term deal. So for me, the Jets have to at least try to play hardball to some degree and to try to at least feel out Anderson as far as what his representation is thinking for as far as a contract, whether it's he's looking for something in the neighborhood of three years, uh, 28 to $30 million, or if he's seeking a 45 to $50 million deal, uh, that's a whole different animal. So it, of course, as it always does, has to come down to the financials. The Jets have an important right now free agency ahead of them where they have $90 million in cap space. And believe me, they're going to want to reserve as much as that as they can to improve the team immediately. And while they still have Anderson under contract, for me, it would be difficult for them to all of a sudden turn around, forget about that free, the, the restricted tender, 
and offer him a long-term extension that's going to eat into the cap. It's going to, it's going to hurt their cap flexibility and, and may prevent them from picking up another additional piece via free agency. So, uh, again, I think that Mike McCagnan has a lot of work ahead of him. Michael Cohen, of course, a, a fellow correspondent covering the Jets for the 247 Sports, had said that he thinks McCagnan should be right alongside Todd Bowles on that hot seat. I guess you'd call it the hot bench because both guys are joined at the hip and deserve plenty of blame for both the coaching mishaps, the personnel issues that this team has. And while this year was Todd Bowles' year to prove it, to, to make his case for sticking around and developing a young quarterback, and so far he's failed that litmus test, and a lot of people have him already kicked out the door already. Next year, and specifically the free agency period upcoming, is going to be Mike McCagnon's litmus test because if he's not able to get productivity or an a, a improvement in play out of this free agent class in the draft, then you're all of a sudden going to see these same detractors and same people that are calling for Todd Bowles' job this year trying to put McCagnon on the chopping block. And, of course, our fellow friend and colleague Michael Cohen hasn't been shy in doing that with McCagnon already. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, this is – well, depending on what Christopher Johnson does at the end of the year, we'll find out, uh, of course, on that Monday, which would be um, the 31st. would be on New Year's – on the eve of – you know, the day of New Year's Eve. So we'll see what happens then and going forward. Um, you know, going back to talking about this division that the Titans are in and, you know – to anoint the Jaguars, and I'm not trying to throw a little I told you so on everybody else, but the truth is is this, is that you don't know how this Jaguars team was going to be when they went to the AFC Championship game and lost to the New England Patriots. They could have gone to the Super Bowl if they did a couple of things right, if they could have kept their nerve. But, you know, we all know what happened. They did not, and the Patriots went to the Super Bowl, lost to the Philadelphia Eagles. But, you know, once again, you know, you can tell sometimes when you have a head coach and a guy like Doug, Doug Marone, I'm not trying to throw any shade at him. I'm not trying to tell everyone, you know, he's a, he's a terrible coach. I don't think he's a terrible coach. What I think he does is he believes his own hype and sometimes I just think when the pressure gets to him, he can't do the job. I mean, look what he did for the Buffalo Bills in two years. And I thought that he was perfect for the Bills to be their head coach before Rex Ryan was uh, picked to take over. But then he abandons the Bills to try and get a better job. And that didn't happen until later on. And now after one year, and you know some fans pining, crying, well, we should have gotten Doug Marone. And I, and I always say this, look, you, you can't cry over spilled milk about the coaches you wish you can have and you wish the Jets could have brought over or hired. We're stuck with who we have. So the only way to rectify the whole Todd Bowles situation is to end it. Should be, it should have been all ended a while ago, but it's going to end at the end of the year. But once again, in my opinion, Rick, this is why Vrabel is probably a solid head coach now, we need to see how he's going to fix things at the end of the year because even though the Titans still have an opportunity to try and get a playoff spot, if it's possible, you know, you want to see a head coach handle the adversities much better than what we've seen so far. 
Yeah, and look, this is a Titans team that, you know, Brable, of course, did take over. The Titans made the playoffs last year, uh, fall, you know, falling in that first game. Um, or actually, I should say, fall, uh, beating the Kansas City Chiefs in that first game. They played the AFC wild card game. So, you know, th- this is a Titans team that I think was often overlooked. Mike Munchak, the former coach, was really not given the due respect that he deserved because he, he ended up winning a playoff game, getting the team into the playoffs. They played well. Uh, of course, they were just outgunned at every position by the Patriots and ended up losing that contest. But um, Vrabel inherited a very good team, and I think the same could be said for Doug Marone in Jacksonville, that you know, as soon as he joined that parade in Jacksonville, you could see that team. They were a year or two away from really coming together and they had one fantastic year. They were a whistle away from the Super Bowl, a boneheaded play away from the Super Bowl, a fourth quarter collapse away from the Super Bowl. And, you know, when they had an opportunity to regroup, you know, get back on the saddle and try to charge for that Super Bowl berth again, everything came apart. And to me, that is an indictment on the coach and Doug Marone and his inability to keep the team together. You've seen a lot of infighting in the locker room. They've already made an in-season trade with Dante Fowler. Uh, You know, there are reports that Jalen Ramsey may be the next player that they would look to trade in the offseason, who was their top cornerback, uh, top draft choice out of Florida State. So I know Todd Bolden's faced his share of criticism. He can't do anything right in the mind of Jet fans, but I agree with you, Daniel. Look no further than uh, than a guy in Doug Marone that has single-handedly, over just the course of one season, created so many problems up in Jacksonville that now they're they're going into a retooling mode to try to build themselves back and try to benching their quarterback and and sitting Blake Bortles. I mean, they are in complete disarray this season. And even Mike Vrabel, who's done a pretty good job so far with the Titans. He inherited a playoff caliber team. So the, the coaching in the NFL is never easy. And Todd Bowles had a tough assignment trying to join a team and, and bring them up through a rebuild. But at the same time, all of the major progress points that you want to see this year, developing a rookie quarterback, seeing the offense make, make the next step, seeing the defense come together, none of those things, whether you go up and down the list, have been checked off in, in, the, in the positive column. And I think that's why Jeff fans are growing tired. And unfortunately, that's why instead of looking, uh, you know, ahead through the windshield, they're looking for through the rearview mirror to see what they could have done differently when, like you mentioned, it, there's nothing they can do to change it. All they can do is move forward and make the best decisions from this point on. Now, here's a big question for you, Rick, and uh, I want your opinion on this, and I'll give you my opinion after that. Uh, our fellow writer, Matthew Lindsay on uh, 247sports.com, has made the suggestion that even when Sam Darnold is fully healthy and back from this foot injury, that the New York Jets should just shut him down for the remaining games on the schedule in the month of December. In your mind, and then I'll give you my opinion, in your mind, Rick, do you agree with that or do you disagree? You know, I really think an argument can be made for that. I didn't think so a couple of weeks ago. We didn't know the extent of the injury. I thought maybe it was precautionary. He's entering the bye week. You didn't want to try to go throw him out there when he's not 100%. But when he came out of the bye week, still wasn't practicing, still not able to play, really a limited participant in practice this week, 
that has to be in the thought process of Todd Bowles and Mike McCagnan because, look, you have a makeshift offensive line. You have an offense that is devoid of weapons. And the last thing you want to do is put your quarterback in a jeopardizing situation where he could get hurt. Do I think they should bench him? I don't think they should bench him. I think it at least at least should be something that in the coaches' room that is discussed, that they have to have a clear plan moving forward, that they're not going to put Sam Darnold in a jeopardizing situation. If, you know, the game is out of hand, they're, they're facing a 20-point or more deficit in the fourth quarter. Uh, those are the opportunities where it's like you got to get him out of the game. You don't want to risk any injury or, or further – hurting of his confidence and just remove him entirely. So while I think they should at least give some consideration to potentially shutting him down, I don't think that's ultimately going to happen. I think they will throw him out there. They're going to let him try to end the season on a positive note and build even whatever it is, if it's a one-game winning streak, if it's a two-game winning streak, if it's a three-game winning streak, whatever little positive momentum Sam Darnold can build at the end of this year heading into next year. And I'm a, I'm a true proponent of that. I do feel that year to year, I know it's a new season, new players, et cetera, maybe a new coach. I think that players do feel that carryover effect from year to year. And if he is able to end on a strong note and kind of wash away the bitter taste from some of those losses, I think that can help him moving forward. But the Jets have to be very careful in their offensive game plan, in their strategy to be able to protect him and not have him back there as a sitting duck in the pocket behind a suspect makeshift offensive line. You know, I have thought about this, and I'm going to give a a yes and a no. I think yes, because this kid is the future of the team. This kid is the future quarterback, the future franchise quarterback of this team to going forward. Just needs a lot more uh, help out there weapons-wise. Uh, better offensive line that hopefully, if it's if it is Mike McCagnan or not, that this uh, all the salary cap money that they have saved should mostly go to the offensive line to keep Sam Darnold upright, and that's the one important thing that I believe that I would say. You know what? Right now, I'm going to stick with you know don't throw him back out there. I I think it's time to just um, you know let him. Uh, go and watch the rest of the year uh, on the bench. And I agree with him. I don't think he should be benched, but at least he should be the backup quarterback behind uh, Josh McCown. Uh, that's my part of yes. My part of no is this. I, I think Darnold still needs to learn uh, on you know while he's on the field. I think he needs an opportunity to go back out there because, yes, it's been three weeks. Uh, it could be four weeks at the end of uh, after this coming Sunday if he's not playing, but still, you know, you want to see what he can still do. You want to see what he can do out there in a competitive sort of way because there are still teams in this league are playing competitive football and that, you know, he needs to have those situations in front of him. So it's a little bit of a yes and a little bit of a no for me, but once again, you know, that's just my opinion. And and speaking about that, and we'll close it off with this. I didn't get your opinion here um, for last week, but – Le'Veon Bell has already wanted his, uh, you know, he's looking for a contract with guaranteed money. I believe he's looking for like something $47 million guaranteed, I think, with uh, $60 million altogether or something like that, or whatever the guaranteed money is. Normally, mm-hmm. and I know everyone is screaming for the Jets, bring in Le'Veon Bell, he'll be an instant weapon, but at the same time, 
you know, he can only be an instant weapon if you fix that offensive line first. And I think that's the first thing the Jets should do. I don't think they should bring over Le'Veon Bell if he's asking for half or more than 60% of the salary cap money that McCagnan has saved. What's your feeling about that? And look, I, I agree. Just to get back to the sit or start Sam Darnold discussion, it really is a 50-50 proposition. I could see the argument for it. I could see the argument against it. Everything I'm seeing from the team is that he's trying to get out there to practice. He's tr- he's trying to make his way back to the field. And I think knowing Darnold, the competitor is he's wa- going to want to be out there. The coaching staff is going to have a discussion about it. But ultimately, I think they, if he is healthy, he's ready to go, they will give him the nod to go back in there. Uh, as far as your talking point about Le'Veon Bell, I just feel the same way you do, Daniel, that, look, just look no further than Saquon Barkley with the New York Giants. The Giants had far from a, per- a perfect offensive line this year. They they added Nate Soldier. They they drafted Will Hernandez. I mean, they got rid of Eric Flowers. They made all these changes to address the offensive line. And from where they've started the, at the beginning of this year to the middle of the season, week eight, week nine, week ten, that offensive line has went from one of the worst in the NFL to probably, you'd say, middle of the pack. They've done a decent job of protecting Eli Manning. Saquon Barkley is that type of talent like a Le'Veon Bell. He's a generational-type talent that you just put the ball in his hands and he can make some plays. So while I just feel like where the Jets are from an offensive line standpoint, you add Le'Veon Bell and put him behind this offensive line, I don't care if he's Superman, he's not going to be able to have that kind of an impact. And you're seeing that with James Conner in Pittsburgh. The the Pittsburgh Steelers, aside from Ben Roethlisberger making a couple of boneheaded throws on Sunday against the Broncos, uh, they're having a fantastic season. They would have been uh, in the hunt for a bye week if they had not lost last week. Now they still have have that to chase. But Le'Veon Bell being out of the lineup has not hurt the Steelers one bit. And that's a testament to their offensive line, the weapons they have, the offensive coaching staff. And I just feel like the Jets have none of that in place. They, they need to, before they run, they need to crawl. And they need to first rebuild the offensive line. And also, when they're making a change at coach, as we expect, bring in a capable offensive coordinator that's going to understand a balanced offensive attack. So, you know, you're going to ask me, are the Jets going to basically open up the checkbook to bring Le'Veon Bell in here, I just think it's the wrong decision for the team, and it would be premature at this point because they need to build so many other aspects of the team. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this will do it for the Jets podcast preview show on 247sports.com. The New York Jets traveling to the Music City, Nashville, Tennessee, to take on the Titans. That will be a 4.05 late afternoon start, and that will be on WCBS Channel 2. In New York City, for Rick Lachland, I'm Daniel Feuerstein. This will be this has been the Jets podcast preview show on 247sports.com through BlogTalkRadio.com. We'll talk to you next time. Bye bye for now.